sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Today, many of us are hearing words like missionary discipleship and apostolic mission. But what do these words mean? To be honest, for many of us as Catholics, maybe as Christians in general, they're a little bit scary or even mean, maybe even a lot terrifying. But don't worry, we're going to explain what they mean and how they're actually very inviting and exciting once you understand them. That's what we're going to be talking about today on Ignition. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into the topics of these scary words, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do so is by email, and the address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Hard to say, easy to type. That's my new tagline for the address. Hard to say sometimes for Bergwald, easy to type. I'm joined in studio by becoming a little bit less frequently, Renee Kranz, Mm -hmm. but Renee Kranz, uh, I love this shirt. It matches the logo beautifully. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, being, uh, I don't know. Fiery. Fiery. Yeah, it matches the logo and your personality. Yes, thank you. Um, Renee, we are going to talk about these words. And actually, this is something that you and I have talked about a little bit off and on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes there's this, re- like, um, you can sort of get in bubbles. Like, people have different yes. bubbles in their lives. We have like a the big Catholic bubble around bubble. our building there's half the time big... where we forget that the people on the outside don't necessarily know what in the world we're talking yeah, right, about right. when we say something. Exactly. So it's, it's And then that just... Um, for me in my work, uh, I, I know the importance of making sure that you're speaking in a way that people are, you got to meet people, quote unquote, where they're at, right. as the saying goes. Or where they are. Or, or where they are. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a little. Where they're at. Where they are. Don't end the sentence with a preposition. Oh my gosh. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's what we do in Minnesota. You know, are you going to come with? <laughs> are you going to come? I'm going to say that so that it just annoys you. Hey, Renee, we're going to go. You want to come with? Come with is normal, but the Um, ad really drives me crazy. Sorry. (laughs) My mom is cheering me on right now. Yes. Yeah, but it's my show, so I can say, meet them where they're at. Say wherever you want. All I want. Um, So so that's an important principle, frankly, in the work of evangelization, discipleship. Uh, but, But it's also easy. So relatedly, very much relatedly, have I ever talked to you about this this great phrase term that I came across years ago in the book by the Heath brothers made to stick called the curse of knowledge? No. So I love this. This is another way of getting at the same point we're talking about here, but it's just a fun idea, um, at least to me and to my show. So I'll talk about it. The curse of knowledge <laughs> is the reality. When you learn something and it really becomes your own, it's hard. It's hard. You have to work to remember what it was like before you knew that. Thing. Right, right. Oh, that's so, so it's true. So true in all sorts of ways, yeah. right? So especially that, yeah, so it's, it's, another, it's another idea of the whole bubble yeah. reality that yeah. to get it outside the bubble, to remember what it was like before you learned it. You know, knowledge isn't really a curse, but it's like, oh, right. what does it mean? The curse well, like, of knowledge. Bef- I know quite a bit about football. And now when I run into someone who doesn't know anything about football, I'm like, what's the matter? You. Right, right, right. How do you right. not know this? Or, or we try to explain <laughs> it. You're using terms, but there's also yes, terms that they don't like, understand. Like, wait, I, I. So the first thing is he hikes the ball. Wait, hike. Wait, what? what? Are you I talking don't... about? Oh, um, 
He hands the ball to the quarterback. And he's in the shotgun formation and, yeah, the, or wait, the whatever. What's going on? Right, like, right. <laughs> this is not a conversation about football, so we're gonna darn careening. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So, but it's a conversation mm-hmm. about base some Catholic terms inside mm-hmm. baseball terms inside the bubble terms, um, curse of knowledge terms, apostolic mission and missionary discipleship. And I think they're well, they're 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 not they're very churchy terms globally, mm-hmm. but certainly here in Eastern South Dakota, the diocese of Sioux Falls, they're they they've been out there in a particular way. Right. Missionary discipleship is at the heart of the diocesan vision that Bishop Grude. Uh, shared. We, if you've listened to Ignition more than a half a handful of times, you've probably heard the Catholic, the, the diocesan vision, lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship through God's love. But in case you haven't, check the archives. We talk yeah. about it, and there it was. Um, apostolic mission maybe not quite as well known to as many, but there are thousands of people who have at least heard of it because it's part of the title of a book which you describe mm. as the. I call it the Maroon Bible, but I'm not alone in no, that no, description. No, no. You're not alone. <laughs> So uh, the the quote unquote Maroon Bible, the book published by the University of Mary uh, mm-hmm. in Bismarck, North Dakota, our friends to the northwest, mm-hmm. um, from Christendom to Apostolic Mission. Yeah, and many people in our diocese have read that. Again, we 5, did it 000. as a like diocesan right. book study. That's what I said earlier in the yeah. show when you were Sorry. ignoring what I said apparently because I just said that. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. So from Christendom <laughs> to Apostolic Mission, uh, in brief, the, the point of the book is that we're not listen, living in a Christendom age when Christianity is the dominant influence. Mm-hmm. It still is an influence, but not by any means, any stretch, the dominant one anymore. So it's more like an apostolic age where, uh, where the church is one influence among many, many competing influencers. Influencers, like, you know, on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so now it's more like the age of the apostles, the apostolic age, where they're going out um, into a culture that is looking either sideways or with a scowl, so indifferent or hostile. Yeah. Uh, and so it, how you operate as a church, how we operate, if you will, how we live in the society as Christians in an apostolic age is very different than from what you do right. uh, in a Christendom age. But again, these are all churchy words that we're using. Right. And some people... You know, very polite. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're inside, they're like, I have no idea what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> or they think they know, but it's actually not quite the same thing yes. that we're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So with um, and, 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 and Apostolic Mission and Missionary Discipleship do get at similar things, but there are some distinctions. Uh, and in a minute here, I want to I'm going to turn the, if you will, the reins of the show <sighs> Cross your fingers, ladies and gentlemen. So dangerous. Uh, over to you to sort of like, because I, 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 as you and I were talking about, Seth, I thought it might be fun actually for you to ask some questions of me right. uh, because I am the expert on this show after all. So <laughs> nothing, nothing. At least it, it will make it so I'm not just sitting here saying nothing uh-huh, most of the time. Uh-huh. Just, uh-huh. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah. But before we get into this, I want to give an example from my own life of the relevance of, especially the last thing you said, like people might have an idea of what it means. Um, that it, that the idea is terrifying, but it's in fact not the reality. Right. So, um, for a time or two on the show, I've talked about my conversion story, my reversion, which happened when I was a college student at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities campus, the which is not far from uh, what is now US Bank Stadium, where the Minnesota Vikings play Renee. If you didn't hear that on radio, I just rolled my eyes. She just rolled her eyes. If you did, you probably heard because I think there's a little. 
<laughs> that you that came out too. Uh, so my conversion happens in college, and uh, the the campus evangelical Protestant campus missionaries who prompted my conversion uh, very early on in our conversation. The second time we met, um, we're talking about what to mean to to be a Christian means. To, and I don't know if they used the word evangelize mm-hmm. or they didn't probably use the word missionary discipleship, but the reality of to be a Christian means to be a missionary disciple, it means to evangelize. And in my head, I imagined, frankly, what they did. They're on a massive college campus in a big city, walking up to strangers and asking them questions right. about religion. Right. And in my head, as a, a, a cradle Catholic who just, we don't do that sort of thing, right. <laughs> from a small town mm-hmm. a couple hours north of Minneapolis-St. Paul, the idea of going up to strangers and just starting up a conversation with them about religion, well, I had no interest right. whatsoever right. in doing that. Um, so why didn't you have an interest in doing that? Because I think that's what people are feeling. Right. So, so Okay. So the reason I had no interest in doing it, and again, my point, though, yes. we'll, we'll get back to this, my idea of evangelization was not completely accurate. Right, right. So this is the idea of how I had uh, based on, you know, you because also based on when I was a little kid and I'm at my grandparents and a car pulls up and four people get out dressed very nicely, two couples, and they walk up. Oh, wait, can I, can I say it? Not yet. No. Okay. They, they walk up and before they even knock, my grandparents, what are they? Shh. <laughs> You're literally like crawling around on the floor, Shh. trying to not be seen in windows. And because I was ready. I was probably like t- 10 years old. I'm going to get up and answer the door. Like, no, 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 no. sit down. Oh. And that, don't, don't answer it. <laughs> what the heck's going on? Don't, don't. Okay. And the, and the, the people leave. Uh-huh. What were you going to say? I was going to say, if you open the door, it's, We'd like to talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> because they were the... They were usually either Mormons or uh, Latter-day Saints. Or, um, oh. Jehovah's uh, Witnesses. Witnesses. I was going to say, it just it was, like completely It was, it was the, the, the good folks from the Watchtower. It was Jehovah's yes. Witnesses. Yes. And see, that's always my, in my head, what missionary discipleship is. Yep. I'm going to have to go knocking door cold, to door. Cold calling. Yes. To be yes. a missionary disciple means to cold call my right. neighbors who I don't know or I barely, right. or maybe I do know, and now I'm asking them these awkward questions right. about Jesus and the church and so on. And there are frankly very few people who want to do that. And there are very people who, <laughs> very few people who want to do that. Yeah. So that's not no. what, no. I, you can do it. You might be called to do that, right. but the vast majority of us, the, I, I'm, I'm just based on the history of the church <laughs> and my professional expertise. Uh, Which is small. Not, <laughs> <laughs> this year, it's 2,000 years old. Oh, okay, sure. Oh, you mean my expertise. Yes, your is expertise. Small. Oh, oh. Um, I, I'm convinced the vast majority of us are not called to do that. In right. fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call on my buddy from my home diocese um, who grew up just 15 miles away from me, more well-known to most people, Father Mike Schmitz. Oh, sure. Not my buddy, but my kind of neighbor growing up. Uh, Father Mike, uh, at a conference I was at recently, uh, said basically the same thing. It, it, it just, it, it's the reality is most of us are called to, he used the word invest, but to to evangelize through our in our friendships and in our families. Right, right. The people Absolutely. that we know and love mm-hmm. and interact with on a regular daily, but usually at least regular basis. That's where the Lord really wants us 
most of us to be really attentive to and how can I lead these people right. closer to Jesus? Right. For most of us, it's not friends and families because but you don't, I, I know I was going to say you can have the reins, maybe the last yes, couple of we're minutes. We're 12 minutes in. And but I got, know. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, listen, the last, so there was a, a sociologist who did a study of the Mormons. Okay. So Mormons, we, we, for us as Catholics, it's, it's by diocese. Well, Mormons have districts. Okay. Um, and Mormons also do the whole mm-hmm. cold calling mm-hmm. thing, right? Yep. Um, a study was done uh, of the, the conversion rate, if you will, of oh, that's Mormon cold calling. Yeah. What percentage of people who become... Well, let me put it this way. So uh, I'm a Mormon missionary. I knock on your door uh, and I have no idea who you are. And you're not a Mormon. What is the likelihood, this is at least in one district, what was? What do you think was the likelihood that you as a non-Mormon would convert because of my cold calling well, your door? Well, given their active door knocking and their small numbers, I'm going to guess that's a pretty small percentage. You want to guess a number? It's probably less than 1%. It is less than 1%. Yeah. It is 0.1%. <laughs> One out of a thousand. So God bless those young men and women. Yeah. They knock on 999 doors and get no before on average they get a yes. Wow. Now, let's. there's another scenario though that the sociologist, Rodney Stark is his name. Rodney, Rodney Stark, when he looked at their numbers, what he found was uh, a little bit different in another circumstance. If you, Renee, non-Mormon, already have a good, close friendship with somebody who you know to be a Mormon, mm-hmm. when I come and knock on your door, the likelihood that now, because of the context of your friendship with Jane Mormon, when I, as a missionary, more explicitly invite you to uh, to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that percentage rises dramatically. Hmm. Want to guess how high? 20%. 50. Whoa. 50. I was not expecting that. So now we go from chances in one in a thousand, I'm going to quote unquote reel you in, right? to one out of two. Yeah. Because you have a close relationship with another Mormon friend. Now, I don't, that was one district, right. you know, and I and I don't think I don't mm-hmm. want to extrapolate too much from that data, but that just shows the power of relationship right. when <clears throat> it comes to um, drawing people closer right. to faith. Well, because this is really um, when we talk about apostolic mission, that's how the apostles did it. They did it through relationships. So, so exactly. So this is where um, it's so drawing the, the the my summary takeaway from what Rodney Stark crystallized for me, like that that just sort of corresponded to what I'd already seen in my mm-hmm. study of church history, mm-hmm. and my own experience. So the bottom line for me is evangelization happens most fruitfully through relationships. Right. Evangelization happens most fruitfully through relationships. Some of us might be called to cold call. Some of us might be called, I mean. Or like cat, street evangelization. Street evangel- there are people who do yep. that. That's yep. their apostolate. My little brother's done that before. They're exactly. Yeah. Uh, focus missionaries yep. on college campuses. They do that all the time. Um, but so some people, some of us might be called to that, mm-hmm. but if that terrifies you, don't worry about it because chances are you're not. And here's the thing: even if you were called to it, the Lord would give you the confidence right. to do it. That's true. So, but if you're just hearing this completely new, be not afraid. 
The Lord is almost almost certainly calling. He definitely wants you to evangelize the relationships that you already have. Right. right. So, folks, if you're just tuning in, welcome to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, talking today today with Renee Kranz about scary words like apostolic mission <laughs> and missionary discipleship, but maybe try to take away some of that fear by talking about what they really mean. So, mm-hmm. Renee, uh, <laughs> 60 minutes into the show. <laughs> Thank you. Take it away. Um, okay. So why use the word apostolic ah. mission? Why why do we why not just always use missionary discipleship? What is the apostolic? Why compare it to that? So I, I, a couple of reasons come to my mind on that. One, it, it harkens us back to the fact that we are an app. The fourth mark of the church ah, yes. that we say as Catholics every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, the church is one holy Catholic and apostolic. apostolic. Mm-hmm. So apostolic is 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 a Catholic word mm-hmm. that we hear. On a regular basis, yeah. we say to be to be honest on a regular basis, but it reminds us of the fact that this is all going back to the apostles themselves that Jesus built the church on. I mean, right. that's the first right. reason that comes to my mind. It's a word that we say every Sunday. It is very much a churchy word that speaks to the reality that these are uh, that that this is something the church has always done. Right. Okay. So. One of the things that I always think about, and I think a lot of people think about when we're talking about evangelization is this seems like an impossible task. Like there's so many people, I have people in my own life who are very anti-religion, yeah. very anti-church. So this seems like an impossible task, but how big was what the apostles did right after Jesus was risen and uh, went up to heaven? How big was that? What do we like, <laughs> like, in in their time, in their society, what oh. they were able to do compared yeah. to what we have now available to us. Right, right. So this is where the, the Maroon Bible, as you call it, yes. it has a great, great little <laughs> chart awesome on a certain list. page. Can you, are you imagining yes. it right? It walks through all the material resources, the wealth, the books, the whatever mm-hmm. that the apostles had at their disposal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it says something like um, bishops, 11 Priests, same number. Right. Um, money, very little. Churches, none. none. Universities, none. <laughs> none. Hospitals, none. none. <laughs> Schools, none. Yes. Um, it's, uh, it goes through this big list of things that they have none. They, they have none of those and things. Yet, and yet we are sitting here like, we can't do this. Right. But why, why did they do it? They were compelled by the Holy Spirit, frankly. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And yeah. compelled, not like, you've got to do it. No. But they, they, there was an internal, like, St. Paul talks about this, how, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. And that's not so much because Jesus is going to damn me to hell if I don't, but because, no, I have this inner compulsion. Mm-hmm. I have to share. This is good news. Right. Freddy's Steak Burgers and Shakes just moved to the east side of Sioux Falls, <laughs> and people are lining up to go to have fast food. That's only that's good mediocre. <laughs> but if people are so excited, but why are my kids, my kids. Because they heard it was great. So Because they heard all good. My kids were talking to my, my sister-in-law was here this spring for one of my kids' graduations. My kids were, were talking about how since, since Aunt Colleen was here last, oh my gosh, now we have Chick-fil-A. We have Chick-fil-A. This is amazing. Are you kidding me? I mean, listen. Freddy's was good. Chick-fil-A, I really like Chick-fil-A. Yeah. But the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, far surpasses <laughs> the goodness of both Freddy's Steak Burgers and Shakes yes. and Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. 
Yeah, you know that big giant line you wait in and at Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Yeah. Heaven, you you better wait in a lot. No line is too long to wait for heaven. Exactly. So so, so the apostles had this inner compulsion. I have to tell Mm -hmm. everyone I possibly can. I have to do, and not just necessarily tell everyone. I have to share in whatever the way the Lord calls me to. I have to do whatever I can, which with some people might just be praying for them. Right. But I have to do whatever I can, whatever the Lord wants me to do to help them understand the goodness, the greatness, the amazingness right. of a relationship with Jesus Christ in and through his church. Right. Okay. So then then the other two things that I think are interesting is I want to know what are the advantages that the apostles had and what are the what 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 advantages do we have over what the apostles had, and what disadvantages do we have? Okay, so the, the big, for missionary I, discipleship. I, I, if we're looking at average apostle and average Catholic today, mm-hmm. um, I think the the greatest advantage that the apostles had, I think, uh, I don't know if it's the greatest. It's one of the most important advantages they have compared to average Catholic today. Is kind of the thing that I was just describing. They had the power and com- they had confidence in the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. You, I they think just for- spent a whole bunch of time with Jesus for heaven's sake. They you did, know? <laughs> but now he's gone. Right, right. He floated up into the sky, went away from <laughs> us. What the heck, Lord? Oh, you're sending me the Holy Spirit. Right. And I have access to you in the sacraments. Mm-hmm. We have the same thing, but I think we think this is all on us. Yes. To is that accomplish our disadvantage? this work. So it's probably our, yeah. so it, I don't know if it's a, it's, it, it, it's a fault. It's a, it's a folk. It's a fake mm-hmm. false thing. Mm-hmm. It's not true, but it, it's, it's a disadvantage in terms of our mentality. We think this is, oh my gosh, I have to go do this. Who the heck am I? I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not holy enough. Mm-hmm. Neither were they. <laughs> no. But they no. knew it, and even more importantly, they knew that the Holy Spirit was smart enough and holy enough. Yeah. And they were just, all right, Lord, work through me. Right. And this is, to me, one of the greatest witnesses of here in our diocese, in a particular way. It's true of many bishops, but Bishop DeGrood, his they, there are times when it's, all right, Lord, I, I, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Gosh darn it, people <laughs> like me some of the time. But I know that you can work through me. Right. And the apostles knew the Holy Spirit could work through them if he let them. Right. Okay. So then this is obviously different from how we've been operating as Catholics and a church. So what are we supposed to do different? Like, do you have practical ways that we live as missionary disciples or okay. in an apostolic mission mindset? So going from the thing I was just saying, so pray, 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 mm-hmm. pray, pray. And Lord, Lord, help me to do this. Give me, give me this confidence in you, this confidence in the spirit. So I think that's got to be like a regular thing that we're doing. But then a bit, maybe quote unquote, more practically, I mean, that's a very practical thing, yeah. but all right, what else? So I've talked before on Ignition many times about the importance of, and the method of, excuse me, accompaniment right. to evangelize. Right. I think, again, we have, we're stuck in this mindset of cold calling, mm-hmm. but we're also going to be Yes, I should be prepared to speak about my faith when the Lord prompts me, but there's all sorts of other ways to to do our part, to play our role in drawing people closer to Jesus in and through his church. Right. Praying for people. I said this earlier. Praying for people. Do I pray on a regular basis? Yeah. And maybe tell them you're praying for them. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that'd be hurtful. I don't know. Could be, yes. Could be. So praying for people. Listening. Listening well t- to get a sense of where people are. At, <laughs> <Or> at. <laughs> um, to, to get a sense of where they're at, 
Uh, I, I don't know how else to say that. Sorry. Where they um, are. <laughs> I, I said to people, I got to say that. To, to listen to them, walk in with them, a, a shoulder to cry on, mm-hmm. supporting people. Mm-hmm. Um, invite, yeah, then, then there are the speaking things. Yeah. It can be as simple as, hey, if, if they're Catholic, I'm going to, I'm going to mass this mm-hmm. Sunday. You want to go with us? Yep. Hey, I'm going to confession today. You want to go with us? Hey, there's a Bible study. There's a speaker. There's a mission you want to go with. Yeah. All you're doing is asking questions. So inviting. So when it does come to speaking, I think it's asking questions. But but the idea of accompaniment, um, I know we talked about this before. You can yeah. maybe check out past episodes. But but asking good questions and walking with people in the messiness of their yeah. lives. That's why evangel again through relationships. They know why do because they know we're, they're with me. The guy, who, the Mormon or the Jehovah's Witness who knocks on my door, he's a stranger to me, and he probably will remain a stranger to right. me. But my wife, my good friend, my whoever it is in my, no, I, they're part of my life. Yeah. And they're going to be able to walk with me through it. Yep. And I think another thing that can be important is even just the regular things of life is to make make sure that you're bringing your faith into those like handling your finances well. Yeah. Um, those little things, those actually all contribute to missionary discipleship because they make you a better, more settled, more peaceful person yes. so you can be a better missionary disciple. Yes. So that's where you're, you're our, the witness of yeah. our faith. Yeah. Not and just our, that I, In our life. Exactly. In, yeah. in our life. Like, do I live a life full of joy and mm-hmm. peace? Mm-hmm. To People bear- notice that. People will notice it. St. Teresa of Avila, great Spanish mystic, said to the Lord, Lord, save me from gloomy saints. Save me from (laughs) dour-faced Christians. Oh, I got to go to church. No. Do I love being Catholic? Do I love being Christian? Does it fill me with joy? Am I I, uh, at peace in the midst of turmoil in my life, life around me? When we are, when we live that way, which comes from God, mm-hmm. not from me, but I allow him to, I receive those gifts when he gives them to me, that makes a difference. People will notice. Right. Uh, one person that comes to mind, what, how, we have like a minute left? Yep. Okay. One person that comes to mind to me, um, she's probably going to, well, she'll love it, um, is Apollonia Davalos. Oh, when, sure. Whenever. Absolutely. She just lives in, and I know she's an actress, but she just lives in this very exuberant, joyful <laughs> Like with, and she may not even mention God at all, but she just lives in that space all the time. And people are just like, whatever she's on, I want some of that. Exactly. Yep. (laughs) You, you, I was going to use, as you were describing her, I I was thinking exuberant. Yeah. That's exactly the word that you use. Very much so. So do we have time for another one? Yeah, go. Um, let's see. Oh gosh. I am now I'm not, I'm not ready. You're not ready. I'm not ready. Oh, do where do priests come in here somewhere? Do they have to be missionary disciples? Disciples. Every one of us is called to be a missionary okay. disciple. What that looks like in our life. So priests, uh, priests are called. Uh, they, we want joyful, peaceful yes. priests as yes. well. But their particular role is definitely to form us, us as laity, and empower us and give us the confidence that we can do this okay. too. I mean, they learned they they weren't born as priests. <laughs> no, they were right? not. <laughs> they were tra- they received this formation that tra- and they can offer from the gifts they've been given, they can offer that to us as lay people and encourage and empower us to go do what they too do, right. which is bear witness to Jesus Christ. Right. right. Okay, cool. Does that work, Renee? That works. These are not scary words. We can do this. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about this more in Ignition. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Renee. Thanks. And folks, that will wrap up this episode. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. Until next time, may God bless you.